What's good, fam? Thanks for joining me, your host, Corey Cabri, on the Living Life on Purpose podcast, where we discuss various topics on how to apply God's principles to your everyday life. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Alrighty, I guess we'll get started. Uh, so, interesting, interesting questions that were posed. Uh, anybody want to start, or I guess they all want me to start? All right, I'll start. Well, <laughs> so we're talking. <laughs> we're talking about love. So we're talking about love, and uh, just. When you think about love, right, you, we use that term loosely. Obviously, we say we love a lot of things, right? We say we love food. Uh, we say we love to eat. You know, we have uh, things you say. Go ahead. I said it's funny. Those are the two things you choose. They're both about eating and food. Right, right. I love food yeah. and I love to eat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, and it's you know, and it's a uh, not going into the depths of defining as far as Greek or Hebrew, but just things we can relate to. You know, it's like a passion that we have. We have a passion for food. We have a passion to eat. Uh, even we have like friends that we have. We'll casually or loosely say, "Girl, you know I love you," or "Man, you know, man, you got number love for you." You know, and it's just just uh, loosely, casually, like you know, we we're cool. Or, girl, you know we go way back. We're tight, and tight is in. Uh, we have a bond. We have a relationship. And we'll just use that term loosely until, until uh, typically when something, someone does something to us or we, you know, encounter some food we don't particularly like and we like, ooh, I just hate that. Ugh, I can't stand that type of food or what have you. And then our feelings about it changes. And and so you know you can equate love to a feeling in a sense. Uh, the scriptures even defines love. There's a Greek word for feeling when it comes to love. But targeting targeting that though, targeting that feeling, right? When somebody does something to you, typically uh, the love feeling changes, and um, usually we begin to treat those people differently based on how they treat us. I mean, this is, this is normal. This is typical, you know, not targeting or picking, but just speaking in general because the topic evolves around it, right? Um, when people do things to us, we tend to change up how we feel. You know, when somebody hurts us, it's difficult to be tight with them. It's difficult to say, man, I, got, I ain't got nothing but love for you. You know, we might say, uh, we know another thing we use loosely is, you know, I'm going to love you from a distance. <laughs> you know, it's, in, in, in other words, I'm, I ain't got, as long as I ain't got nothing to do with you, you know, I'm going to love you, right? So, uh, but in that saying, uh, when you think about that, love has some type of, um, it's how we treat people. It is, it is connected to how we treat people. So it's like if somebody treats us a certain type of way, it's like, well, I mean, they're not showing us love. So, you know, our response immediately would be to, you know, not show them love back, right? So I pose a question. I pose two questions. And they're tied to to something. 
you know, we're going somewhere with it. But the first question I asked was, uh, how did you overcome being victimized? And I know probably many of you were probably wondering, why would I ask that? Uh, well, if you followed along with the introduction, it should be kind of kind of obvious, right? Uh, how have you overcome being victimized? And if you haven't overcome, that was, that was the next question. Have you overcome, right? So if you haven't overcome, you can't answer the first question. Well, I haven't overcome. And if you haven't overcome, why not? And then... Uh, to go beyond that, why is it so important to overcome being victimized, right? So I'll, I'll let let you guys out of the floor, anybody. You know, I don't need a lot of people, you know, to just, you know, tell me or answer any, all three or all four of those questions. You know, somebody could just answer one. And particularly, you know, I'd I like have, to know. Oh, go ahead, answer. please. Yes, go, please. Um, I have an answer for why it's so important to um, overcome it. Oh, bear with me. (laughs) Um, It's important because if you don't overcome it, then you're constantly focused on that event. You're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're stuck in that place of, of, of your life, like those days are passing and time is going by, you're getting older, you're still stuck. You're not being led by Jesus in, in his current plan. You know, you're stuck in that one place and you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be available to move forward with what he has planned next. Wow. Right. That's good. That's beautiful. And that's all I got. Well, that's good. That was excellent. That was excellent. Yeah. That was excellent. Anybody else want to take a stab at those questions? How how did you overcome? Uh, have you overcome? If you haven't overcome, that's an easy answer, man. I ain't overcome. Right. I guess the why not would be the question that would follow. And you know, that should be an easy answer, too. Man, I don't know. Or. I just, I'm, I ain't ready to, you know, let it go. You know, they did blase, blase to me, and I can't let it go. You overcome it by refocusing. You refocus on where your thoughts lie. You you focus more on, or you focus only on, God, what what is it for me? You seek it, seek God. That's how you overcome it. You continuously seek God no matter what. You're mm-hmm. always looking to him asking, like, what, what is the plan for me, Lord? Lead me, guide me, take me where you would have me be right now. <laughs> and in doing so, that, you can't focus on, yeah. man, they did this to me. No, nah, I can't do it. Because if God leads you to be in the presence of that person and to give love from your heart, then you're not focusing on why you can't do it. You're just going to focus on loving them and, and, and honestly just helping, helping be, a, be an aid in them seeking what God has for them, They're, his plan for that person, you know, yeah. because whatever, whatever they did to harm you, 
nine nine times out of ten, it had nothing to do with the person that was harmed. Right. It has everything to do with the person who did the harming, and they're right. hurt somewhere in their life, you know? Yeah. So my prayer is that they get past whatever hurt them, where they're stuck at. Mm-hmm. How do you be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and get stuck somewhere? Yeah. By not killing self daily. And so now now you're disobeying by not following. Right. So now y'all both in the wrong. Yeah. And all the wrong is going to end up in the same place. Right. Wrongs yeah, never cancel out wrongs. Right, right. That's, you know, that old saying, two wrongs don't make a right. Right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Our attention can't be divided. Right. Me and God, right? It can't be on both me and God. Right. It can't be that way. Yeah. It it just can't be that way. Right. It's just got to be God. People that are that way can't get saved. Right. Because they can't look to the Lord. They're busy looking to themselves. That's true. I uh, I got a story. When I uh, was little, when I was growing up, I think I was probably about four, five, maybe four. Then I think it was four. But I grew up in the house with my grandmother, and um, you know, my older, you know, I had big old bigger cousins, and my uncle lived there as well. And one thing about our household, we were we had a stigma or a motto to be tough. And we that was our bread and butter. Be tough and survive. Right? So they didn't they, it, it, you could it was no tolerance for weakness. There was no tolerance for weak people. You had to be strong. And I remember when I was four I got I got beat up by a couple of my little cousins. And I remember coming back to my house and I was telling my grandmother and I'm crying and uh and it, it, <laughs> I know some of you are probably familiar with the story, but, you know, I'm crying. And my grandma was like, what's wrong? You know, I told her what happened. And uh, so she, you know, she went across the street to spank my little cousin. Now, granted, my cousin was a lot younger than me. And, but just the, the notion, so right, the notion, like, what are the little people, little four-year-olds and three- and two-year-olds fighting for, right? But regardless of that, uh, we were. And uh, But when my uncle got wind of it, you know, he immediately came to the the attack. And he jumped in between me and my grandmother, and he was saying to her, you're babying him. You know, he got to toughen up. So he took it upon himself to toughen me up. I mean, and it wasn't just like, you know, look at that from a glance or, you know, from a from from a uh, bird's eye view. And he's like, what's so wrong about that? Well, not nothing. You know, he was toughening me up. But to the extent that it went, um, it became uh, like a, a sense of aggression where you would call it in today's time bullying. You know, you would you would call it uh, oppressing. Uh, it got to a point, it was so bad that, you know, my uncle, and I even put it in my book, but I didn't put it in this tone. Uh, I think probably from the age of five to about nine, my uncle used to tell me, you yeah, know, I'm going to make you a little punk. 
I'm going to make you into a punk because he didn't want me to be a punk. And his, his wording was, I'm going to spit in your booty. That's what he used to tell me. He used to tell me that. I'm going to spit in your booty. I'm going to spit in your booty. Now I'm five years old, you know. Uh, and that threw me for a loop first time he told me. But then when he started doing it, he would pick me up, pull me down my pants, spit in my booty, throw me on the, on the bed, and then laugh at me. And he'd say, now, come on, what you going to do? And I'm looking at him like in disgust, like, did you just do that to me? Yeah. And then he would do it again. And then he would keep doing it to make me, like, either fight back or take it. And, you know, well, it was a choice. I was like, well, he ain't going to stop doing it. You want me to fight back? So I chose to fight him back. And I thought that was going to, like, make me into, you know, the hero and, like, he would leave me alone. But, nah, he just wanted me to fight him back. And as I fought him back, then he began to fight me, punching me, you know, not like little, like he playing with a little toy. No, he was hitting me, like, so I could feel the blow. And I'm sitting here five years old, five to about nine until he went to prison. You know, that's what he would do to me every day. You know, it would be my session, my one-on-one session. And I would cry, I would cry. I would fight back, cry, fight back. But all it did was make me choose one or one thing over another thing. And I had two options. I could either tuck my tail and look at myself and say, woe is me, and I'm not, a, I'm not fit to live, as some people do when they're bullied, you know, and then they take their lives, right? Or I could become just like my uncle. <laughs> and that's what I chose. I chose to become like him, not in the sense that I knew. I chose to get him back. I wanted to get him back. I, I said, I'm going to get him back. I, I, became, I began to work out. You know, I didn't put it in my book to this extent because, you know, not everybody want to hear eat that, right? But, but, but that's how it happened. I, I started working out. I started doing push-ups. I started resenting him. It's like I couldn't stand the sight of him. I wanted to, to really, like in, in my little sense of imagination, rid him of the earth. I just wanted to rid the earth of him rather. And I envisioned myself doing it as I constantly would do push-ups, sit-ups. And it made me, like, not like other people that tried to oppress me in any kind of way. You know, if any type of way that I I felt like I didn't like, it took me back to my uncle. It took me back. And the the amazing thing about it was as I got bigger and stronger, this was an amazing thing. And I I say this always, all the time, not as amazing as in good. The crazy and ironic thing about it was, as I got bigger and stronger, another bully would come to me that was bigger and stronger. So it was like a spirit trying to keep that thing in my mind to constantly build this this, this sense of evil in me to keep me pressing towards, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back. And I'm probably about 15, you know, I had a lot of fights. I did. Growing up, I fought a lot of people. Uh, and then when I'm probably about 15, I got into a fight with a guy in a gang. And something just, I don't know, something just visited me and said, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? If so, this is going to happen. Or do you want to take an alternate route? And in theory, I said, well, I want to take an alternate route. But the aggression never did leave. I continue to build and hone this, this, I don't know, this ego, this person. I continue to feed into it, and it, and it got 
worse and worse to the point where when I'm thinking I'm fighting against my uncle, I found out that I was becoming my uncle. And to the point where people was even telling me, you're just like your uncle. People would tell me I was mean. People would tell me I was empty. Uh, people would tell me, you're going to end up dead before you this age. Uh, my classmates, man, they used to tell me, man, you always like to fight. You just like to fight. You just love to fight. And I'm like in my mind, like, no, I don't like to fight. I just don't want you, you know me, bothering me. You're getting in this space that, that caused me to think about my uncle, right? And now I'm at a point where I don't have to take it. You know, I don't have to take this. You know, I can, I can respond. I can react. I can get you back, right? I can put you in your place. And, and the funny thing is, which is not funny, uh, a lot of times it will still even show up today. It just, it just shows up differently. It doesn't show up like I'm about to whoop somebody or some, I'm calling somebody out to fight them. But some people tell me that it's, I have this aggression in my tone to where they feel like I'm about to do something to them. And I'm like, man, I'm not going <laughs> to get in my mind. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything to you, but I just here again, correlating something they said, and it's like, ah, you rubbed me the wrong way with something you said, and I just I wanted to put it to, to, to bed. But then I had to even learn how to corral my tone, which I'm still learning. But to, to answer my question, have I overcome, I would say I overcome in the sense that it doesn't get in the way with me directly obeying God, right? I'm not going around trying to get anybody back that has done anything to me, no. Uh, but has it affected me as far as how I live? Of course. My character, of course. You know, you, know, you go back to somebody that's five, it's kind of, you can even kind of correlate it or equate it to somebody being molested. I mean, it changes the way you maneuver, right? Being that little and then getting, becoming an adult, yeah, it changes up how I maneuver it, but I don't walk in a sense of fear with it. It just sort of makes me be more defensive, right, than anybody that hadn't experienced that. It does. And so in that light, I'm still growing. I'm still growing. But the point of this whole topic was to get you to see that when things have happened to you, it's either going to drive you one of three ways. It's going to drive you to be the person that, that causes or inflicted some type of harm or hurt, it's going to drive you to inflict. I guess it's still the same. Those are one and two the same, just you're doing it to different people, right? You're going to either inflict harm or hurt to other people, or you're going to inflict harm or hurt onto yourself, or it's going to drive you to God, and he's going to show you the whole problem of it, right? Immediately, it didn't drive me to God, and it definitely didn't drive me to hurt myself, but it did drive me to hurt other people. It drove me to that. And I had to overcome that. I had to overcome that. And I asked the question, how, how? Well, after I got into a fight with the gang, you know, I was posed with another question. Do you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life? No. I wanted to do something else. Uh, so that involved me making another decision. Right, I had to choose something else. And immediately God wasn't that evident in my life, but I understood him. I knew of him. But as I learned of him, I learned that it was a better way to live. I learned that what my uncle was doing to me 
was not the way God had intended for me to grow up. Uh, so let me speeding past the story. I learned that it wasn't my uncle's problem. It was a sin problem, right? When I said, you go back to what I said initially, I learned that it wasn't the way God intended for me to grow up. You know, my uncle was misinformed, right, because that's how he grew up. And undoubtedly, somebody that taught him that was taught the same thing, right? So they were also misinformed. So you have this line of people that are misinformed on how things should go, how things should be. So then you have to, meaning me, me, I had to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm going to stop this right here with me. I'm going to choose to be. I'm going to choose to live. I'm going to choose to model myself in a manner that's in likeness of how God wants you to be, not how everybody is doing things. You know what I mean? Everybody has a bully, bully, a bullied person or a bullier in either their, their, their class, their family. They know someone. And not, not everybody's story is, is the same way as mine, right? If you've been molested or raped, sexually assaulted, and, and you're still living and you overcome it, not everybody's story is the way yours does. I mean, some people take themselves out, right? They choose to inflict more pain on themselves. They don't choose to look at life like God has a perfect way for me to be. But people aren't living that way. People aren't living that way. Are we going to stop the curse with ourselves? Are we going to keep reciprocating the curse? Because it's a curse, right? It's a curse. Like, people are living contrary to the way God is wanting us to live. God wants us to live a certain way. People aren't, right? And even ourselves in, in, in certain aspects of our lives, we aren't, right? So then when you start introducing this love thing, this love thing, the scripture was, what was it, First uh, Peter uh, 4, 8, 9, where yeah. he says love covers a multitude of sin. And then he says, offer, and I'm just paraphrasing it, he says, be hospitable to others without grumbling. Like, like do well to others without grumbling. Love covers a multitude of sin. This was what I learned when I was not 15, but 17. Took two years after, you know, the question was posed to me, which direction did I want to take? Two years later, I learned this. I learned that it didn't matter what I did in life. There were going to be people that challenged me. It's going to be people that will come to me and try to oppress me. It, it came, it comes, it came, and it still comes in different forms. But it's the same spirit. It's the same yeah. spirit trying to bully me. Why? Because it's wanting me to act outside of the nature and character of God, right? It's wanting me to take this power into my own hands and say, you know what? I'm going to put a stop to this evil physically. But God is saying, no, that's not how you put a stop to evil. You don't put a stop to evil physically. You put a stop to evil by doing things the way I want you to do them, by loving them. It's like, huh? Loving them, right? Loving them. What? What do you mean loving them? Regardless of how they are treating you, right, regardless of them doing hurt or harm to you, you're still loving them. 
I'm looking past my uncle bullying me, and what I'm looking at is he was misinformed. So now I teach him, right? I teach him that that's not the way you do things. You don't go to children and say you're not going to be a punk. No, right? That's not even that the word punk doesn't even isn't even defined in the light that you were using it. You were misinformed. Now that may not that may not equate to him actually <laughs> treating you better. No, but that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it so that he can be informed on the way God is wanting him to be. You're doing it so that they can be informed on the way God is wanting them to live. See, that's that. That's what you're looking at as love. See, sometimes we think, oh well, you know, they just punched me in the mouth, so I need to go cook some dinner for them. Ah. And uh, that's not that's not love. <laughs> you just cooked some dinner for them. You were being hospitable, and you should be. But in the form of love, you're saying, I don't want any ill to come upon you because of what you did towards me. That's a different way of thinking, right? Because mm-hmm. immediately when somebody does harm to you, you want to do harm back. back. But God is saying, no, no, nah, no. Nah. They did harm to you. That means they've been harmed. They've been harmed, whether it's physically or mentally or spiritually, they are harmed. I want, I want them to be unharmed so that they won't do harm. See, I've been unharmed. Me, me, personally, Corey, I've been unharmed. So now I seek to show that, right? I seek to show people how I have become unharmed by choosing to live a life in a way, in a manner that God is wanting me to live, loving, you know what I mean, loving meaning, walking in a sense of, showing people God has ordered us to live a certain kind of way. And I want you to live a certain kind of way in accordance to the way God is wanting us to live. And, and it's modeled after his son. Who is his son? Well, Yeshua, Yahashua. You know, what we translate into saying in the English is Jesus, right? But that's, that's, that's the model. Anybody, anybody have anything to say? I've been kind of long-winded. Uh, no questions, no comments. I hadn't confused anybody. That that was amazing, amazing. That is amazing. Just to get that wisdom. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, Corey. Yes, you sir. Did what, you you did what Jesus did in the garden. Right. Nevertheless, your will be done. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Never I know what I, I know what I'd like to do. Right. But nevertheless, let's do what you want. Right. right. And as a believer and, and as a believer, that happens every moment of every day. Yes. This whole business of not my way, your way. Your way. Yes, it's, it's a different it's a different choice. You start out initially trying to defend you and assert you. Right. But you, we need to be denying you. Right. Denying you puts you behind. Right. Right. Because the end result, the end result is this. I mean, it comes back to that same thing. Do you want to keep reciprocating the evil or... Do you want to provide a solution that will put a stop to the It's your choice, right? I could continue to be this bully, you know what I mean, and even in the different form that it's taking, right? I could be this person that is aggressive in my tone to where 
people, and I mean real talk, people tell me, man, <laughs> you get so aggressive in your tone the way that to the point where, man, we, we, we fear you, right? I've been told this. Like, they, and I'm like, how can my tone be that aggressive? I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all have moms and dads that yelled at y'all, and it just sounded worse. But they like, but nah, man, you don't see how you be looking. And I'm like, well, I don't. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Because in my you know, and in, in my mind, I'm, I'm just like, I, I, I'm like not even thinking about harming anybody. I just want what you're saying to stop being so, so foolish. But they are not seeing it that way. Matter of fact, they don't even hear what I'm saying because of how I'm looking and the way I'm saying it. So then it's like, wow, Lord, I got to go back to the drawing board. Matter of fact, I got to stop leaving the drawing board <laughs> because something is coming out of me that you're, that, that, that look like you. And, and what it looks like, it looks like this person that I was creating from, from age five and up. That's what it looks like. And I'm not seeing it. And then people tell me, man, this is, I, I need to get that mirror. I used to have people tell me that some five, seven this is when I used to work at NASA, which I've been away from NASA now about four or five years. But when I was at NASA, they used to tell me, man, you don't see yourself. You need to get a mirror. And, but, but the point that I'm making is this. All it did was inflict something that didn't stop the evil, right? Just imagine if, if these people seeing me act, like, act, act out like that. Not only it did hold me back as far as my career, but in a sense, but what if somebody took it to the point where they were in so in fear of me doing something to them that they brought a gun to work, and when I lashed out or whatever, reacted or whatever, they took the gun and they shot me in, in, my, in, in my aggression, just in me talking aggressively. And everybody would have come to my defense like, he didn't do anything, da-da-da-da-da. But they didn't know that this was something that had been created when I was a little boy. And it just showed up in a different form. And that's something that I had to look at, right? At first, I was looking at myself and saying, I am not doing anything. And I was. I was coming to my own defense. And no solution was being provided. And I'm not talking about for me. I'm talking about for the, for the environment. When you're creating a hostile environment and everybody is, like, looking at their own pins and needles and, and – the first thing you want to say is that's their fault, right? That's on them. I ain't yelling. I'm not, I'm not well, maybe my tone was, was elevated, but I ain't yelling at them and I ain't cursing at them. I don't curse. <laughs> but it was still creating an environment where people were getting, becoming fearful of me. And I wasn't evoking love, right? I wasn't evoking anything godly. I was evoking what people looked at as horn as horn. If they were lying on me, it would have been different. Then I could have righteously stood there and continued to say what I was saying if I was doing it in love. But I know I wasn't. I was agitated at what they were saying, and I did want them to stop talking. And so I talked in a manner where I knew they would stop talking, <laughs> and they would bow the knee to me. What? 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 Yeah. Yeah. And when you're honest with yourself, right, you begin to see that, man, I'm not acting out in love. I'm not doing this in love. I'm not doing this the way that God would do it. I never forget when Jesus was in front of uh, Caiaphas and he said something to Caiaphas. 
uh, well, well, I'll tell you what it said. I'm paraphrasing it. And I think this is in Luke or John. But Caiaphas said, um, are you the king of the Jews? Or, or did he say, it was one of them. It was one of them. I can't remember. But I'm paraphrasing. But this is what I'm getting at. <clears throat> Caiaphas made a statement to Jesus, and Jesus said, you heard me. What I did, it wasn't in private. I did it in public. I preached in your synagogues. I, I was in the street in front of people, your, you know, your people. You heard me. You tell me. And, and one of Caiaphas' uh, servants slapped Jesus. Yeah. I mean, slapped him. And Jesus looked at him and said, why did you slap me? Why you if I had me? did anything <laughs> worthy of being slapped, then okay. Yes. But if, if I had it, why did you slap me? Right? The point I'm making was Jesus didn't jump to his defense, but he did offer correction. Right? And, and he didn't offer it in a manner that said, you know, I'm about to whoop you. No, he just offered in a manner like, you have no justification for doing this to me. But there is a better way to do things. If, if I did something worthy of being slapped, then okay. But if I did it, then why are you slapped? I need you to think about your actions, right? Versus Corey. If that had been Corey, <laughs> you know, you had slapped me. Okay, I, I jumped up. You know, I'm frowning now. I didn't probably grabbed you. And I'm like, okay, you better be cool because if you don't, I'm going to have to do something to you. Now, I'm correcting him, but the correction is different, right? I'm telling him I'm going to forcefully correct you if you don't do, if you do this to me one more time because you didn't, you didn't have any justification to doing it. That's not what Jesus did. He stayed right in his spot. He absorbed it, and he just looked at him and questioned him. And he said, if I were wrong and you did it, then it would have been okay. But the fact that I wasn't, because I didn't say anything that was wrong, why you do it? And I ain't saying everybody going to do that if they get slapped by somebody. And I ain't telling you to. I'm just saying what he's saying. What is he saying? When people do harm and hurt to you, do the right thing and show them how to do the right thing by doing the right thing. That's, that's what I'm saying. And, that's, and then that's that love that's covering the sin. I know we were trying to wonder how that was all going to get tied in, but that's how. Because if I'm doing the right thing, that's my love covering their sin. <laughs> I'm doing the right thing in response, and I'm showing them how to do the right thing in response. The love in the sense covering their sin. I'm not repaying them an evil for an evil. No, I'm covering it. I'm covering it. I'm, I'm trying to help them to see how to be better in it. Regardless of how I'm suffering, I'm loving. I'm still I'm suffering, but I'm loving through it. I'm loving through it. That's how you do it. That's how you overcome. You just love through the suffering. You love through the pain. You love through the hurt. You love through what people do to you, what people say about you. You love through it because Regardless of if you're in Christ or in the world, people are going to do it. People are going to talk about you, whether you follow in Christ or not. People are going to do harmful things to you, whether you for Christ or not. People are going to uh, people are going to harm themselves as a result of what you do, whether you're for Christ or not. They're going to do it, but I would rather be doing it and be persecuted for my righteousness than chastised for doing something wrong. 
whether I'm for Christ or not. If that didn't make sense, all I'm saying is I would rather be for Christ and do it the way Christ has wanted me to do it and people do harm towards me than not be for Christ and then people do harm towards me. I would rather be the other way. I would rather be in Christ and have people do harm, doing harm towards me because I'm loving them. Because I'm loving them, not because I'm hating them. That's all I have. I hope I hope that made a little bit of sense. I, I hope it's helped in whatever light that it, it possibly could or can. Because we have to, if we're going to take anything, love is the only thing that's going to fix it. You have a lot of artists that would, would that would sing that in their songs, and and then when you know the, the gospel say it, we sing it as in. Uh, as a gospel-led song, uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like fairy tale. But if you have people that don't even know God singing it and saying it, it must be some validity to it because those people don't know God the way we do, but yet God is still telling them the only way things are going to get corrected is by loving. You know, I can't fight every police person that shot up somebody that was black. I can't. I can't. Why? Because it's a spirit, right? I'm sure those cops are going to wake up in the morning and say, you know, I'm going to kill a black person today. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't. And even if they did wake up that morning, that wasn't, that wasn't in them when they became a cop. And even if it was, it still had to be planted in them before they ever became a cop. Somebody planted that in them just like it plants that in other people that goes off and kills for no reason, no godly reason. Love is the only thing that's going to fix it. So choose the love, man. That's all I have. Well, family, I hope the discussion has encouraged you. I hope it has enlightened you. I hope it has infused you with love and truth to live a life filled with God on purpose. And if it has, join us again for more godly discussions. Thank you.